Welcome to Audible Interlude, a G.I. Joe podcast. I am your host, Dave West, codename Phantom Troublemaker. And I am your co-host, Noel Wood, codename Crapshoot. And I'm the Cobra intern responsible for laundry. You <laughs> didn't get it done. Codename Legion Cub. <laughs> so I don't know, who here has actually heard the podcast before? Awesome. I love that. So we've been doing it for a little over a year now. Uh, we're three guys who love G.I. Joe. So in, in the event that you have not listened to Audible inter, inter, Interlude, I can't even say the name of my own podcast. <laughs> I quit. I'm going home. Um, no. uh, I'm going home. There's a contract. Damn it. Uh, damn it, Gary. Uh, so just to start things off, I, I want to let you guys know where each of us kind of first encountered G.I. Joe to know where we're coming from. Now, obviously, we're all very old, decrepit men who are about to crumble into dust and blow away in the Dragon Con wind. Uh, but uh, my first experience with G.I. Joe, I was with my mom in a uh, Eckerd drugstore. And we were going to pick up a prescription or something or other like that. And in the back of the store, there was, I don't know if you guys remember this or not, uh, there were spinner racks, like wire spinner racks that had action figures on them. And what, what was in, what, looking back on it, what's interesting to me is I'm, I'm a little kid. This would have been, I guess, 82. And so I'm six years old. So the G.I. Joe figures are right in my line of sight, sort of near the bottom of the spinner rack. And that card art just caught my eye and then on top of that because obviously at the time I was collecting Star Wars figures uh, but but what really got me was looking at those figures I could tell their elbows bent their knees bent and my dad being in the military uh, he retired a lieutenant colonel so I was already kind of inclined to think army stuff was pretty cool and I, I I'm not positive which were my first figures. Uh, Short Fuse, Zap, Bazooka. I I don't think I had Snake Eyes at first, probably because some other kid had found that rack before I had and immediately bought Snake Eyes, which Hasbro did not know was going to be the coolest figure of the entire line. They just He was just a cost-saving measure initially. Uh, but I brought home a few of those green guys, and, and that was it. That was my experience. This is, you know, pre any kind of awareness of, of, of well, the cartoon didn't come along for a few more years. Uh, but that was it, seeing those figures. So that, that was my first experience. With me, uh, this actually goes a little bit further back than that. My uncle... Um, had kind of bequeathed me a lot of his toys from his childhood, and among those were the 12-inch GI Joes from the well, from the 70s mainly. Um, my favorite being the uh, Gemini uh, spacecraft. And sorry, my mask is deciding not to cooperate with me right now. Um, with that one, with the astronaut. So I love GI Joe, and I knew that my dad was cooler with me playing with GI Joe than you know some other toys because my dad was also in the Navy. He was in the Navy. He was in the military as well. Um, so he was actually the one that told me there's new G.I. Joe toys coming out. These these talk really well. Yes, all right, here we go. Ta-da, mass change. All right, so yeah, he was the one that kind of even told me that there was these new G.I. Joe toys coming out and put them on my radar. Um, I think the first few I got, I got for Christmas, I got the Vamp uh, with Clutch, I got Flash, and a Cobra Officer. So that was my entire battle, paired with the Grand Slam that I found at the playground and was full of dirt and rocks and stuff. But, uh, you know, so he got, he got to add no, no, no accessories or anything like that, but I had, I had him to go along with those. So Which, that was, by the way, real quick, real quick, show of hands for anybody who has at home a G.I. Joe figure that is encrusted with dirt or rocks or something else that you had from your childhood, like found in the backyard or whatever. Yes, that's that's like kind of a classic G.I. Joe thing yeah. at this point. Yep. And I even had the weird neighbor kid who buried his dead G.I. Joes in the backyard, and it made me so <laughs> mad because I didn't have the kind of money growing up to be burying my toys, so I was always like dreaming of the day I'd go out in his backyard and dig them all up at night so I could <laughs> take his, his fallen G.I. Joe figures and have them for myself. 
question? Uh, so mine is sort of similar to Dave's. Um, growing up on the hill, the bottom of where my house was, there was a department store called TG&Y. <clears throat> um, and I went in there because I was a Star Wars toy collector at that point. Um, and I saw these G.I. Joe figures and more so than the packaging, what stuck out to me was all the articulation. You can see, again, the elbows move, the knees bent, they had something going on at the waist and I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. Uh, my first figures were Scarlet and Flash. Um, yeah. And, and that was the thing, because even as a little kid that young, six years old, I was, and don't get me wrong, Kenner's Star Wars line, one of the greatest lines of all time. But as a little kid, I was dissatisfied with, with, with this and the, and the fact that, like, you put the blaster in Han's hand and it's like, I mean, there's... Uh, they, with G.I. Joe, you put the blaster in the hand and they lost the thumb. Well, that's true. Their true. thumb just snapped right off. So, Doc either way. Job security. <laughs> oh, yeah. None of my docs have ever had their thumbs survive. Um, but, yeah, that articulation, that honestly is is one of the biggest things I think that got G.I. Joe over initially. Yeah. Because we were all, you know, you don't think of little kids as being this discerning, maybe. But having I've, my son's about to turn fourteen, and obviously he's the kid of a toy collector, so he is sort of inclined to be more aware of these things. But even when he was very, very young, I remember him complaining about uh, there were some DC figures that had like five points of articulation. They were chunky, kind of toddler-oriented figures, and and he would be annoyed that their elbows and their knees didn't bend. <laughs> like kids notice this stuff, you know. Yes. What is the story behind that articulation? Uh, that is a great question, and I honestly am not equipped to give you the best answer in the world. I recommend, if you haven't watched it, uh, The Toys That Made Us yep. yeah. did an episode on G.I. Joe where they, they dive into it pretty deep. But my guess, from looking at it, and I don't honestly, I don't know that that's really been specifically addressed is that the original Joes, the big 12-inch ones, were made to be men of action yep. and had lots of articulation. So honestly, I wonder if the designers at Hasbro even really looked at that articulation as being like, oh, these will be better than Star Wars, or if it just felt like something intrinsic to G.I. Joe. Yeah, I mean, that's what I always felt about it, was that this is like, G.I. Joe was the man of action. He was pulling, you know, had the, the kung fu grip and all these, the features they were always advertising. Right. That was a selling point to G.I. Joe, was how the figures moved. So... You couldn't step back and do G.I. Joe figures that just had five points of articulation at that point. Well, now you can, though. Now you can, but for very different reasons. Um, so, anyway, that's who we are. That's how we got into all this. Uh, I do want to mention, follow us on Instagram at Audible Interlude Podcast and on Twitter at G.I. Joe Audible. And what we like to do at the beginning of each episode is kind of cover any recent G.I. Joe news that's gone down. I don't know. I'd, I'll tell you right now, I haven't looked at any like toy pop culture news since Wednesday, probably, because other things have occupied my attention for some reason. But we got a couple of things that I wanted to talk about real quick. Uh, they're going to be a series of G.I. Joe classified series novels. So, now who here is familiar with G.I. Joe classified series? Woo! Okay, so, obviously, uh, you know, now we're in a little better shape than we were, but one of the most frustrating toy lines of all time. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. But I do love the fact that Hasbro made an effort to embrace what they're doing with classified series. We have a game that's a lot of fun, by the way. If you haven't played Operation Blackout, like if you kind of looked at it and was like, oh, this is some mobile game that they put on consoles or whatever, one, you're not totally wrong for thinking that, but two, it is a fun game to just sit down and play. Uh, my son and I, it's, it's, you pick it up, you play it for a little while, you put it down. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun, it's a shooter, uh, and it's essentially like a G.I. Joe skin on the game. But what I love about it is they use those classified series designs. And the fact that they're also now launching these novels 
that also are specifically classified series. So we're not getting the weird splintering of the brand that happens sometimes. Like if you look at Masters of the Universe right now, we've got three different things going on, which, awesome. Mattel pushed the heck out of that. That's great. But I love that Hasbro has made the decision that everything that's under the G.I. Joe banner is going to have this aesthetic, except for the Snake Eyes movie stuff, but we're not getting into that today. Or really the um, the Walmart uh, exclusive. Retro. Well, but that's a typical Walmart kind of thing, is right. that retro style. Like they, when Walmart does their exclusives, that's that's one that they go to. They did with the Ghostbusters. Right. Um, and, but but I like that our sort of our main line. They made a decision. Classified series is what we're going with, and especially now that they've course corrected classified series. Yes. Uh, it, it, it makes a big difference. So, uh, these novels are written by John Scavron, who I am not personally familiar with. Are you guys at all? That could be good or bad. Uh, but the the thing that caught my eye the most is the art by Phil Noto Nato Nato. Uh, very well known comic book artist and produces to me some of the most compelling art right uh, out there right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you follow him on Instagram, you'll immediately see he has a very unique style that does lend itself to modern G.I. Joe, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I looked up some of his work, and I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, so, book one kicks off a new series. In this action-packed series starter, a group of ordinary kids find themselves facing extraordinary circumstances. Let's pump the brakes for a minute. <laughs> uh, so I try to keep an open mind to things, as these guys can tell you. In general, I go into things wanting to love them. However, <laughs> I am also realistic, and when I see a term like a group of ordinary kids find themselves facing extraordinary circumstances in relation to G.I. Joe, I must pause and go, Canon. Huh. So when right? I saw yeah, that... What if, what if they introduced these kids in the first like three chapters, and they're like, hey, we're going to go help G.I. Joe, and then they just die, yeah. and that's G.I. Joe's motivation yeah, for the whole rest of the series? That's the way comic oh books God. and stuff work now. <laughs> You, you gotta kill somebody off. It's true. To get us interested. It's called so, the Whedon effect. Yeah. When, yeah. I, when I first read this first part, before we got to the second part of this paragraph, I was like, was this copy and pasted from some other presser from some other young adult story? Because it basically sounds like every other young adult literature story up until we get to the next part. And that's the thing to remember is these are young adult books, which. While I would love to see some adult-oriented G.I. Joe novels, and, and if you read, this is interesting to me, has anybody in here read any of the novelizations of the 2009 movie or the novels that were tied to it? I thought they were pretty good. I enjoyed them. I mean, look, <laughs> here's, here's where I'm at is, yes, Real American Hero G.I. Joe from the 80s is my first biggest best love. I want this brand to continue. And in order to continue, it must evolve. And I thought that the stuff uh, involved with the 2009 G.I. Joe movie, it wasn't perfect, but I thought it wasn't a a bad step. And if you read those novelizations and then the tie-in novel, do you remember the name of the tie-in novel? The one that was like a prequel to the movie? I can't remember what it was called, but if you guys check that out. It was based, I think it, I remember the comic. Well, Gung Ho is like a main character in this prequel novel. Operation Hiss or something like that? Something along those lines. Yeah, because it's about Cobra developing the Hiss tanks, right? I think so. I think, Mm -hmm. but but anyway, Gung Ho's a major character, and he's the Gung Ho you know. Like, the movie characters didn't necessarily reflect, you know... You didn't know it was them until you looked at the credits. Right, right. I'll wear Um, But... So I I have a pretty open mind for G.I. Joe. It doesn't have to be exactly what I want it to be, but I do want it to be done well. And the young adult novels, I think, are a great way to potentially bring a new audience in that will keep the brand that we love going so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you, uh, upon looking at these, you know, when we got when we brought these up, how did you guys feel? 
I mean, I, I can't say I'm probably ever going to read them, just because it's not... Like, you, oh, you're going literature? to read them, because okay. we're going to talk about them. <laughs> unless, unless I am asked to. Um, but if they are half as fun as the Find Your Fate books from back in the 80s, then, right? then, then you know, I'll enjoy them. Yeah, I... They're young adult novels. You go into it knowing, you, you know, what you're going to get if you've read any other young adult novel, and... To me, as long as they're telling a good story and the characters seem like, like you know, our characters, you know, they don't have them acting completely out of left field. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited that these are happening. And again, anything with the GI Joe brand on it is good news because it means there's support there for GI Joe product. So that's, I mean, that's essentially where I'm at on that one. They're definitely going to the core characters, at least is what they mentioned in this presser here, because they, they mentioned Duke Scarlet and Roadblock, and those are three of the pillars that we've established. They didn't mention Red Ninja? <laughs> <laughs> got to get Red Ninja out early. People are clamoring for that bizarre demon Red Ninja figure <laughs> they put out. Uh, all right, so yeah, young adult novels coming out soon. I think it's a good thing. Yeah. I always uh, say the more the more media out there, the better. You, you you can't go wrong with having more product out there because some of it's going to wind up into the hands of somebody who might not have liked like they're not into cartoons, but hey, they like young adult literature. Maybe yeah. they'll pick that up. You know, so knowing is half the battle. And the other half is being able to read. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. We don't want to go too far back, but really quickly, I did just want to mention, you guys are all aware of the Super 7 products that are coming out. Uh, they're doing a, a massive wave of reaction figures, which are the three and three quarter inch, uh, five points of articulation figures. And the important thing to remember about those, I think, is that this is not a new line of G.I. Joe figures. This is a line of G.I. Joe characters being done in the reaction style. Yes. And we're getting a lot of looks that we've never seen before, and I think, I think it's really cool. We're getting those troopers right That's right. There. Those guys right there. Yeah. And... I was looking at those, those photos, and that's sort of reference for some of these in addition to the cartoon materials. So. Yeah. That, and then there you go. And that's what... And Yes. 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 Thank you. And that's the reason I love Super 7 so much as a toy company, is that's what they do. They take those little weird details that only us, only the people that come to this room for G.I. Joe panels at Dragon Con notice and appreciate and they make a freaking toy line hmm. and making a toy line isn't easy and making a niche toy line with sunbow specific cobra troopers <laughs> is not the, the easiest sell in the world and they're doing it and yeah. i love them for that uh so what do you guys think about the ultimates we've talked about it on the show but just real quick for these guys i've got my cobra commander pre-ordered like to me that is the cobra commander figure that I wanted in that six inch scale yeah I, I haven't purchased any I, that, that bat is so tempting the price plus shipping is a little bit restrictive because it's going to be like $75 although if you go to bigbadtoystore.com you can get your bat for standard price with $4 shipping. Ah, well, hey, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe what I do in my next and I, I suppose so I'll admit... only buy one bat. That's well, that's, I was, that's what I was going to say. I guess I'll go ahead and admit right now that's where I ordered my second bat. <laughs> I can't, come on. Have you, okay, so we're, are real you, quick... Are you going to display the second one with just the... Yes, yes, with just the electrical the effects. <laughs> so for, for those, has everybody seen the Super 7 stuff? Okay. So, just real quick, um, I, I want to know which one people are more excited about. Uh, just round, make a bunch of noise for the reaction figures. Come on, with reaction. All right. Now, how do we feel about the ultimates? Woo! So that, and then, see, that's where I'm at. The reaction figures. If I go into Target and I see them on the pegs, I'm, I'm, I know I'm going to buy a couple because I can't not buy GI Joe stuff. But the Ultimates were instant, pre-order, got to have them. They're, they're what I've wanted forever. They're Sunbow, G.I. Joe. Mm -hmm. I like how you think you'll see them at Target. The reaction figures? Oh, no. no, no, they will. Yeah, yeah the reactions will make it. Yeah, they will be at Target. Those aren't being distributed by Hasbro. Right. Yeah. These guys, it doesn't matter. They will be posting all the time, all the toys. They'll be like, oh, yeah, went here, found, you know, mm -hmm. 50 hisses. And I'm like... 
Orlando is tumbleweed. I can't, it's like we got three yeah. Joe figures in all of Orange County. Good luck. I can't walk into a, tar- a Walmart without tripping over like a pile of his threes nowadays. They they just showed up and they were everywhere. Yeah, yeah. The his three has been very easy to find, uh, or, or at least in Atlanta. But, yeah. uh, but the like super if, super if seven. No reason to move to Atlanta. It's if you're a toy collector, this apparently is where you need to be. And yet, it still feels very frustrating finding certain things, but. Uh, and I don't know exactly how the collectibles stuff works at Target with NECA and Super 7 and, and the way that they do things, but in general, if there's a NECA or Super 7 product you're looking for uh, that Target carries, you're going to find it. Yeah. Or in, in Atlanta. I can't speak for the whole rest of the country, but I mean, you, you go in the back of the Target in that collector section, and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reaction figures loaded on the pegs. Um, all those reaction figures, like, I, I can't... I don't collect them, but I'm aware of them because I'm a, a toy guy. Check out the Needless Things podcast and the Needless Things YouTube channel. Uh, so I'm aware of it, pretty much everything that's out. And Super 7, for whatever reason, they get their stuff into Target better than Hasbro does, which seems preposterous. And they also get their stuff into like smaller specialty stores. So like music stores, right, right, stores yes. like Hot Topic, stores like Spencer. You'll find them in those types of stores too. And usually in like plentiful numbers because people aren't buying a lot of those things there yeah absolutely uh all right so that's oh wait one more piece of news and unfortunately for you guys i found this right before we came down here i did see one thing Uh i don't know if you saw it on facebook or not uh gee whiz that is tiny print hang on i'm sorry (laughs) i'm gonna have to see if i can read this through the fog uh there is a company a third-party toy company Making a Cobra Temple playset. A one eighteenth, a one eighteenth scale. Okay, you got. Is everybody okay if I pull this off for a minute to read this? Because this, you can see, this is not working. Okay. The one eighteenth scale Cobra Temple numbered limited edition of one hundred and fifty includes forty piece, one hundred percent plastic temple measures. 44 inches tall by 32.5 inches wide by 14.75 inches deep. Now, that depth is what's interesting to me because typically something like this would be kind of a facade. Like it might... Exactly. It, very shallow. This is 14, almost 15 inches deep. So, um, are a large shelf. 3D printed accessories include the Cobra Throne... The snake ray, three ornamental snakes, two hand scanners and manhole covers, and a sending grid, which is cardstock, but I mean, that's that's fine. That just goes on the ground, obviously. Um, and an arena weapons set, including one sword and one spear. Uh, this is being made, uh, obviously it's 3D printed. I mean, that's how so much of our custom stuff is happening now. It's screaming Amon Customs. Is anybody familiar with those guys? They've done a lot of stuff with uh, Joe Lanta and Joe Fest. Uh, if anybody's been to the Augusta GI Joe conventions in the last few years, they're always, they've always got a presence there. Um, here, here's what I'm curious about from you guys and from you guys. Get hold on to your seats, <laughs> brace yourselves, because clearly this is going to come with a price tag. Four hundred dollars. That's actually cheaper than what I was. Yeah, that's a lot better. I was thinking we were in Snake Mountain territory. Yeah. So okay, well that's that's interesting to hear. So, and and that that was my thought. And you can find pictures of it. We're not visual here. We're a podcast. Uh, But you guys can look this up. It's screaming. E-H-M-A-N-N Customs. Uh, and you'll be able to check out pictures and stuff of it. It looks beautiful. I mean, it looks it looks like the Cobra Temple. It's, it's great. But seeing that $400 price tag, it's not that I don't think it's worth $400. Don't, don't start. Go. You start. <laughs> you start. Because this is the man that says, no, I'm not going to get the Java sale barge. Next thing you know... Dave has a new coffee table, and it's the Java sale barge. No, I'm not getting Snake Mountain. 
after it's on the secondary market, oh yeah, I just added on a new room to my house, and it's called Snake Mountain. <laughs> so don't, don't add, you may not be getting it now, but when it's increased in price three times, you're going to oh, be like, geez. I need this. <laughs> well, my, my question is, because I, I don't really have a hesitance about the price, but spending the $400 price tag on something that's not a licensed item, which Hasbro's never going to make this. Right. Super 7, if they did make it, it would be $1,200. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just spending... And this is a trusted company. They've they've produced big projects before. Like, this isn't some, like, hey, my Uncle Ted has a 3D printer. Uh, this is These guys are legit. They've done projects and delivered before. Uh, but I just feel like that's so much to drop on something... That's not official product. Are, are they asking you to drop the total amount, or are they? We're going. Is it almost like a Kickstarter? Like you're going to pledge this amount, and then we're going to charge you the rest later. I think it's already because they, they've already said they're only going to be 150 made. I think this thing is underway, and I think they'll easily sell 150, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. Because I, I am big into the third party Transformers, right? And I. When you think about it, especially before Hasbro was doing the combiners, third party was the only way to get them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when you were spending 90 to to $100 per individual piece of the combiner, when I look at some of them, I'm like, I spent $700 on that transformer. So this does isn't... As long as the plastic quality is good so that I know that piece is going to last at least the rest of my life... Yes. Yeah. I'm good with it. That's my only question with the 3D printing. Is yes. I've, I've gotten some stuff that 3D printing, I feel like if I breathe on it a little bit too hard, it's just going to crumble. Uh, dude, house. I got some stun parts that when I was trying to put the flags in, they just snapped. Yeah. And I mean, I'm careful with with my stuff. Yeah. And and that was they just popped right off. Nope. It, How does that feel? How a 3D printed. Okay, you can bring it up here? I want to touch this. <laughs> May I touch yeah. your helmet? Can I touch your helmet? <laughs> Oh, dude, that's that's 3D printed? And that was in two parts. I that's see. so wow. thick and hard. Wow, no, that feels like... This feels like Pit Viper quality for anybody who's ever uh, purchased a Pit Viper Studios helmet. Thank you that very much. the same quality Thanks right for bringing so, that up here. So if, it, if it bothers you because it's like... They're calling it officially the Cobra Temple. If they, call, if they gave it like a third-party bootleg name, like this is Snake... Kingdom. The Serpent Sanctuary. Right. Would you feel better about spending four hundred? No, I wouldn't. Because we know no, what it no. is, but it's not. No, right. no, and it's it's not that I I don't have any problem with third parties doing stuff like this. It's just a matter of like, I I get it. I put it with my collection, but it's not really part of the GI Joe collection. Yeah. Yes, I want a Cobra Temple, but I look at it and I'm just like, it's not. It's going to be beautiful. It looks glorious, but it's not real. Right. So, and now if I was a, if I was a kid, I, and, and was actually going to like play with it and stuff, because I definitely don't do that. <laughs> um, it would be a different story. Like I've made tons of different cardboard dioramas and playsets and stuff for my son, and f- to get that use out of it, I think would be a different thing. But for t- for me to have the space for it and to just go on a shelf somewhere in the room. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. But I think it's phenomenal. I think it's fantastic and I'm glad they're doing yeah. it. Yeah. And again, with the third party Transformers, Hasbro watched that trend. Right. And then they saw what people wanted and then all of a sudden, Combiner Wars and all this other stuff started coming out. So maybe not big ticket items like that, but if we have more third party groups that see there's money to be made in G.I. Joe and start making some of the things we want, like, you know, little small vehicles or whatever, that might inject that life into Hasbro to say, nope, we want that money instead. Well, and you know what? That's actually a really good point because now we have Hasbro uh, HasLab. HasLab, yeah. (laughs) So maybe Hasbro Hasbro sees this thing and decides they do want a piece of that pie. Uh, All right. We're going to move on to our next segment. Who is ready for a little crowd, well, I guess more crowd interaction? Woo! All right. Who needs coffee? 
Yay! It's radio. They got to hear you. There you go. So for the win. I don't know how much you guys like art projects. Uh, I really like neato little art projects, and we're going to do something here that's going to require some interaction from you, the audience. I'm going to move this microphone and try not to make too much noise doing it. All right, not bad. Uh, so what we have here, I don't know if you guys remember a specific odd line of dialogue uh, from, gosh, I, was it Revenge of Cobra? Yeah, it was a second miniseries. Where uh, our... Uh, one of our favorite G.I. Joe's shipwreck says you're not number one on Cobra's sweetheart parade. (laughs) (laughs) So what we're going to do today, and I'm I'm sorry, Gary and Joe, you you might have to move. I think this is the best we can do with my little art project here. Uh, What we're going to do today is determine who is number one on Cobra's Sweetheart Parade? And perhaps even, what the heck is Cobra's Sweetheart Parade? <laughs> we've decided. Let's see what we've got here. <laughs> All right. So. Yeah, uh, we love a good pie chart, but brackets are just as good. Yeah. So we're staring at a bracket right here from yeah. the fictional bands <laughs> from, yeah. from earlier. So. What, what we have here, we are going to fill in these spots with Cobra Troopers, and I'm talking your basics. And we're going to determine who is number one. Look at this guy. He's so in love with this tournament. Uh, now, I've got a list of troopers that we kind of thought were appropriate for the bracket, but if before I start putting in our entries, I want to hear from you guys What's your idea of a Cobra Trooper and who should go into this bracket? Okay. <laughs> well, we're, we want to do basic Cobra Troopers. Big like, not specific characters, but yeah, troop so, builders. Techno, alley Viper. Techno Viper? Okay, we'll throw Techno Viper on here. Got a, heard an Alley Viper? I'm sure it's going to be really easy for me to write from this angle. Okay, so we've got Techno. So we've heard of Alley Viper? We've got Alley. Tella Viper. Oh, yes. Oh, Tella. Okay, we'll put Tella over here. Boy, this is really fun, writing this way. Astro Viper. Do we put Astro Viper on? We hear it. I heard an eels, too, so. Okay. We'll do Astro. Snow Serpent. Ooh. Very good one. Eels. Bat. All right. Uh, we need two more. Snow serpent. Snow snow serpent. serpent. All right. One more. One more. Crimson Guard. We got. There we go. Oh, Crimson Crimson Guard. CGs are our last ones. Crimson Guard. All right. So what we have here? This is our bracket, you guys. And I'm glad because my original thought was to print up images, but now this is much better because you chose every single one of these. I hope you're proud of yourselves. <laughs> Didn't even get the regular Cobra Troopers in the brackets, you guys. <laughs> we, I think what I think what we're seeing though is a difference because being uh, over the past couple of years, kind of rediscovering my love of GI Joe. I've always had a GI Joe collection. But I found that there's a whole generation much younger than me, well, much younger than us, that has, like, the later 90s Joes are their Joes. And I love that because, again, it's about carrying that legacy on. All right. So, are we ready for the official vote to determine number one on Cobra's Sweetheart Parade? Our first face-off is Techno Viper versus Alley Viper. So let me hear it for Techno Viper. And now, Alley Viper. I think Alley Viper won that one, you guys. All right. We we love our Cobra tech support guys, but, you know, 
Sometimes you need you need some some good urban assault. Do you remember that? Uh, you need people with giant shields. Do you remember that uh, sp- GI Joe spinoff from the '80s, Kate and Alley Viper? <laughs> that was good. That was good, right? Joe is so Joe. Good that was come up with that. Joe Crow. That was just for you. <laughs> uh, all right. Next up. Uh, well, you guys know how this works now. So let's let's make some noise for eels. I'm there. Yeah. Oh wow. What about battle android troopers? Yeah. All right. Cobra doesn't have to pay them, so. That's very true. Although they got to be expensive. Oil, electricity. <laughs> All right. Next up. Televiper? Yeah! <laughs> wow, you are a man alone on that. Did the person who said Televiper even vote for Televiper? Oh, it was you. Okay, okay. <laughs> Against Astro Viper. Wow. Wow. That was See? out of left field. Yeah. I, I, I love my Televipers and they're scrolling yeah. fast. All right. Who else do you want to take to the Cobra Rave? <laughs> Next up, Snow Serpents. Ooh, that was mild. Versus the Crimson Guard. Do you guys want the Clone Wars? Because that's how you get the Clone Wars. <laughs> I don't know how you get a face off. Oh, guys. Next up, this is. You know what? I'm going to allow. I think we need to allow for arguments here for okay. for final. Yep. So, would anybody like to make a case for the Alley Viper? Tell us why the Alley Viper is awesome. Have at it. Project. Okay. He's got the shield, so that automatically makes Alley Viper awesome. Alley Viper can go into areas unnoticed. Nothing about bats is stealthy. Like if you if you send bats in, they're they're loud. They are force multipliers. Alley vipers are designed to move around in cities, not necessarily neat seen moving from building to building. In their blue and orange camouflage. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but has some unique color schemes. I'll give you. That. I I get what you're saying though. The bats are not subtle. They're not stealthy. You're going to hear them. They go clanking in, just blowing stuff up all over the place. And despite their unique color pattern, the Alley Vipers are trained to function a little differently. Very good. Does anybody want to make a case for the Battle Android Trooper? Gary. Okay. You can mass produce them. They are, as he said, a force multiplier. If you need to take out a Joe Fortress, you send in a crap load of bats. And they have one of my favorite pieces of fiction on their file card, where even the Cobra Troopers don't like being on the same battlefield because they're indiscriminate. They will shoot everybody and anybody. Because that's convenient. (laughs) (laughs) So actually, yeah, that seems like a negative to me. I don't know. Cobra Commander (laughs) might be okay with that. Well, that's true. That that might be how he thins out some of those. He doesn't have to pay some of the payroll. Yeah. All right, so... So having heard the case for each trooper, Cobra Commander will lean back and listen to the voice of the people. Alley Viper? Battle Android Trooper. Mm-hmm. Well, I totally made that uh, bracket wrong. We'll just do that. <laughs> Oops. Uh, all right. So, would anybody like to make the case for the Astro Viper? And let me just tell you, I really need to hear this one. Gary, are you volunteering? No, no. You raised your hand. Now you have to do it. I don't care. Uh, they go to space. <laughs> they go to space. Anybody else, though? Anyone want to add anything to the space qualifications of the Astro Viper? Uh, okay. Now, I know somebody's going to take up this, this one. Crimson Guard. Joe's hand is up. Joe, Joe did raise his hand. Joe? It was a half raise, so I guess 
I'm half in favor of the Crimson Guard because they had to guard the twins. They, look, and everybody else just has to guard. There's a whole other battalion, a whole other division, just for two idiots. <laughs> hate each other and hate themselves, probably. There's a lot of self-loathing in the twins, I think. You know, I, 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 uh, I feel like they're very underappreciated by their bosses and give them something. These poor guys have to dress up in the most noticeable... When you buy your first car, they tell you, don't buy a red car. The cops notice red cars. Yeah. They dress these Crimson Guards up in this red gear, and then they have to protect these two nitwits, which, by the way, I love Tomax and Zamot, but these spoiled brats. Thankless job the Crimson Guardsmen have. But they're amazing water skiers. Yeah. That's true. That's very true. That's a good point. Uh, uh, unless the Crimson Guard are following Deadpool's philosophy. Well, that's, that's a possibility. Something to consider. So, for the final, well, not the final vote, the next final vote. Uh, Astro Viper? Yay. Yay. <laughs> Yay for space? Versus the Crimson Guard. Oh, you guys, this is messed up. <laughs> so for our final, the battle, Android Troopers versus the Crimson Guards. Any last arguments? I, I, I got to say, I think this is a clear decision. I don't know. <laughs> I'd say the Crimson Guard are probably more highly trained than the regular Cobra Troopers. Sure. So that's why they wear the red to show their elite status and their, I guess, lack of fear of death and <laughs> sacrificing them. I don't mind walking around as a target because I'm that damn good. <laughs> and remember... Uh, you can also sue people whenever they feel like... What is happening? Ooh. What? Is Snake Eyes getting ready to talk? <laughs> this must be very important. This, this seems like they might make a movie about that or something. <laughs> 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 oh, do we have uh, do we have a pen and paper? No, I, I got it. <laughs> okay, okay. Can you translate via sign language? He was saying with the Crimson Guard, the bonus is that they're all named Fred, so writing them a birthday card would be a lot easier. <laughs> solid, solid. Wow, you might have turned the tide. Yes. You have to wonder how good is the battle Android troopers if Sergeant Slaughter could just knock a hundred of them down and it's all over. That's a good point, too. Although, if you're a listener of Audible Interlude, you know that we have barred Sergeant Slaughter yeah. from being part of G.I. Joe. <laughs> In one of the more preposterous episodes we have ever recorded. I disagree. I, I do not agree with that, but the masses rule. But I've seen him around all weekend, so, you know. He's done he's us... still invited to the picnic. He's, he's done us some favors. He's, he's, he's helped us out. All right, you guys. Battle Android Trooper! Yeah. Whoa! Versus the Crimson Guard. Wow! You did not disappoint me. Ladies and gentlemen, number one on Cobra's Sweetheart Parade, the Crimson Guard. Give it up for them! Put the flamethrower against the flaming uniform. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you guys. That was awesome. All right, all right. We got to move on to our next piece of business. Uh, if you're a fan, who here is a fan of the GI Joe file cards? Found them to be kind of a critical part of the play of your childhood, and and obviously Larry Hama is is the father of GI Joe as we know it. Uh, put a lot of effort into creating these characters and giving them life, and we get a primary military specialty. Mm -hmm. We get a secondary military specialty. What what comes after that, gentlemen? A tertiary military specialty. Little odd jobs around the pit or around the terror dome where, you know, somebody's just got to pick up the slack. Somebody's got to take care of certain things. Uh, and we have a list here of tertiary military specialties <laughs> where we're going to need your help to determine who gets stuck with these odd jobs. Uh, for, for uh, well, I think we did, we did 
G.I. Joe focused, didn't we? Yeah, we're, Never mind. Yeah, yeah. It's just the pit. Literally, just the pit is all we're talking about. Uh, all right. So I'm going to start off with an easy one that may not have as easy and obvious an answer as you think. Uh, Noel, who do you think takes care of the IT around the pit? I mean, you know, you would think it would be mainframe, that he would be the obvious answer. Um, I'm, I'm thinking... I'm thinking airtight probably just knows a lot about computers and stuff because he's such a nerd that he's he's going to be the guy that goes move and takes over your computer and, and fixes fixes your outlook when it's not working. Solid, solid. Christian, any thoughts on who might handle the the the, the menial IT tasks? Um, honestly, yeah, I I was going dial tone, but. And look, that may be the answer. Dial tone, mainframe, one of those guys could be the answer. You guys well, in no, the mainframe has a really cool helmet. <laughs> That's so, true. So he's kind of like, I have the cool helmet. But dial tone got an awesome backpack. But dial tone has a beret. He, right, but he kind of like passes everything off on him. And dial tone is too nice of a guy to say no. <laughs> he just kind of does it and then like complains about it. So. We have who thinks airtight is the guy, our IT guy. Oh, mm. Noel might be in trouble here. Who leans more towards dial tone taking up the slack? That's, it's because of the beret. It's the that's right. It beret. is. It is the beret. We we do love a beret here on Audible Interlude. Um, <laughs> Do you think Dial Tone's backpack makes that old modem noise? Oh, Probably. That would be really annoying on the battlefield. Th- that's yes. why he does it. It plays out super loud. Oh, and just and disorients. Like, ah. all, the bats, yeah. all the bats' heads explode. Yes, and then you get that cool lightning effect that comes yeah. with the Super 7 figure. Uh, all right. So, let's see. Next up. Who's the groundskeeper? You might have noticed in the G.I. Joe animated series and in the comics, uh, there's a lot of real estate involved with the pit, whether it's a big, gigantic G.I. Joe fortress or it's underground. But somebody's got to take care of mowing that lawn, trimming that shrubbery. Somebody's got to handle that stuff. It can't just go undone. You don't want an ugly, overgrown lawn in front of your fancy covert military operation so covert that in the cartoon small children know all the gi joe's code names yep uh who's the groundskeeper pathfinder because he comes with a weed whacker wow Mm. i went tripwire um except (laughs) he doesn't necessarily again appreciate that he has that job so when he's out there taking care of the lawn, he likes to be called Grassy Knoll instead. It's <laughs> not a reference to me. Which, by the way, next year, if you don't show up with like a grass suit... <laughs> Pete has been trying to get me to do that costume for 25 years. <laughs> yeah, I well, Tripwire is so socially awkward that they send him out there so that way he's not clutching around the pit. Right, right. He's one of those guys that shows up and like if you end up on a conversation with him you're like, "Oh my gosh, I really hope he has something he has to get to soon." <laughs> uh, and and oh, is my phone ringing? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I've got a you've got the lawn, right? <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, uh, who thinks tripwire on that one? And I, 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 I have to say, no because he comes with a weed I agree. <laughs> Pathfinder is our guy. Yeah. All right. Solid. Solid. I mean, that's pretty much indisputable. All right. We're getting a little weird now. I hope everybody is ready for this. We it's started off worse. It, yeah. Oh, it's, 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 and it's not going to get better. Uh, IT and groundskeeper, pretty basic things that that would occur to pretty much anybody. Uh, but who do you think? When the Joes have had a long day on the battlefield, they come back to the base and they're all stressed out and tired. Who might be the masseuse? <laughs> Quick kick. <laughs> because he whacks 
waxes on, he waxes off. Wax on, wax off. I have five words for you. Who wants a body massage? <laughs> Roadblock is definitely the official masseuse of the G.I. Joe team. I'd like to make a point. They might be the official masseuses, but there's no way Shipwreck's not trying to slip in there. No, 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 no. Shipwreck is getting the massage every single day. All right. Especially if it's Roadblock. So who thinks the powerful lightning-fast hands of Quick Kick are responsible for massaging the G.I. Joe team? But who thinks that Roadblock... Is handling those body massages. All right, it was a delayed reaction, but I, you know what? Here's here's my personal belief: Quick Kick is the official masseuse, and Roadblock is like the he's the one saying, "No, I'm a licensed massage therapist. It's fine. Come on with me." Uh, we're gonna. I think that one was pretty much split. I think they both handle the duties yeah. as needed. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, all right, who would be? The G.I. Joe team, again, they're very, very busy. They don't have time for every single menial little thing, but they're also important to the integrity, the security of the world. We can't be risking the members of the Joe team to anything like poisoning. Who would be the beef eater (laughs) of the G.I. Joe team? Who would test the cuisine to make sure it hadn't been tampered with to harm the Joes as they eat their delicious turkey dinners? Wow, this was a hard one. And I, I really didn't know what you meant by beef eater when you, I was thinking of like the like the guards at uh, Buckingham Palace, and I'm like, well, that but that's where that came from. I was like, okay, well, maybe Big Ben because he's British. That was my thought. <laughs> I don't know. Like, who, who's the who's the least valued Joe on the team? Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, uh, I'm just gonna go with I'm gonna go with my original uh, my original Big Ben just because he's the British guy. Well, so I went the route you did with the last answer, and it would be blowtorch. So every time he has to eat, he runs in pork chop sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Wouldn't that make him the pork eater, though? Mm. He doesn't know, though. He <laughs> <laughs> can't tell. He's been in so many fires. Uh, all right. So, in protecting the Joes from potentially lethal cuisine, who would take on the job? Would it be Blowtorch? Yeah. Or would it be the very Mary Sueish, by the way, <laughs> possibly invincible Big Ben? Blowtorch wins that one. Pork chop sandwiches for everybody. All right. Side of salmonella. I love hearing what, because we didn't discuss this beforehand at all. I just sent these guys this stuff, and I'm, I'm loving finding out what we came up with. Uh, we don't have time for everything that we got to. Christian, why don't you pick one? We'll do two more. Okay, well, bartender, there's absolutely no other choice but shipwreck. Yeah. <laughs> I, I knew you were going to pick shipwreck for this one. <laughs> I have seen the way that he entertains at his home. Barbecue has got to be a great bartender. Also, he's Irish, so. (laughs) So, I actually had a pick for this one, like the first one that came to mind. Uh, And I'm going to pick somebody that ended up not having another specialty. I think Airtight is your guy for bartending. Because Shipwreck... Literally everything he makes is going to be a rum-based beverage. <laughs> he has no knowledge beyond that. Well, Shipwreck doesn't actually mix. Well, but I mean, a bartender, but you think you're going to... No, I'm just pouring... Could I get a Long Island iced pot. tea? And he just pours rum. Right. And that's it. That's all you get. Um, and then... Who did you say? I had a point. Barbecue. Barbecue is just going to be drinking whatever they serve at Walburgas. <laughs> the, the, the Wahlberg family beer Which by the way we went and ate at Wahlburgers yesterday And the waiter told us And I think he just misphrased it He said that the, the beer there Was literally made by the Wahlberg brothers Like as though they're Brewing it themselves <laughs> Like that was his suggestion 
I think that's what barbecue would be serving. Uh-huh. My choice is airtight because of his chemistry knowledge. That guy is going to be able to mix up the finest cocktails. So the difference is we're not just saying bartender. We're saying who would actually make a good bartender. Right. He's the cuz look, the Joes Look, look. <laughs> snow Snow Jobs not alone. All the Joes love to drink quite a bit. So uh who who thinks that uh barbecue is the guy? You must love beer. Shipwreck. No, tell, no, if it's to be a good bartender, we know I'm not going to be. A <laughs> but but does anybody want shipwreck? Well, who doesn't? I mean, I love... Well, that's a fair point. Now, what about my weird suggestion of airtight? Yeah. yeah. We'll go with airtight. He chemistry. Yes. All right. We got five left. Noel, let's burn through. Uh, what, what is your... I think for mine, I'll pick Taylor. And I have to go with sci-fi. Because you know he designed that costume. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I gotta be the most neon green guy out there on the battlefield. So he's he's my pick. <laughs> wow, see, I went with CoverGirl, because that jacket, and it was before the nineties Avengers stole that look, so nicely <laughs> done. <laughs> for this one I had and my thinking with Taylor was like, think of all of the patches and insignias and emblems and things on the Joe costumes involved and in, in all that. I think Snake Eyes is your tailor because I bet that guy can put a patch on a jacket in like 20 seconds. Yeah. Just get it done. Snake Eyes, would you consider yourself to be talented at the art of tailoring? Oh, you know what? I retract, I retract my suggestion. So, so, oh my gosh. All right. So last one, the Joe's Taylor. Handling all of the small, minor tasks of maintaining the Joe's grand uniforms. Sci-fi. Oh, wow. There's not a lot of love for neon green sometimes. Yeah. It's a choice. Some people can pull it off. So by default, I think our winner is... Cupgirl. She's got the background. She's yeah. got the background. That's also because the Joes were kind of sexist in the 80s, though. <laughs> I, 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 less than if, many other toy lines. If, if, if by kind of you mean both insanely and for the time, not at all. Like, it's weird. that like It was very progressive for the 80s. But in retrospect, eh. You guys... Thank you so much for coming out, listening to us talk about GI Joe. Um, please check out uh, Audible Interlude, a GI Joe podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and uh, check out the finest, uh, thefinestcc.com, um, which is uh, a great international charity uh, raising costuming group. We do G.I. Joe and Cobra costumes. Oh, yeah, I got a patch back there. Um, if you ever thought about costuming up, um, then, you know, throw on, a, throw on a great G.I. Joe costume, make it as accurate a particular source as you can, and submit it, um, and uh, help us raise money for Canines for Warriors. And who the heck brought up Crocmaster? Somebody over there. Gone. Did he leave? What? Well, Uh-oh. a croc will bite the hand that feeds it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, uh, I, th- I would say, would we all agree that this gentleman right here in the roadblock shirt contributed probably the most to this panel? <laughs> Sir, if you would like to come up. Oh, my. It's a little something to say thank you. Oh, my. Thank for... you. Tell everyone that he is Cobra's second best. Cobra's second best. <laughs> yes. Thank That's you right. all. I appreciate it. Now, I ha- do I have to fight my way out of here with it? Is that how this works? <laughs> yes, exactly. If you can make it to the door, it's yours. Uh, everybody, please come by. Drop some money. Uh, the Boys and Girls Club uh, is Dragon Con's partnership charity this year. Drop it in the bucket. And I uh, remember the highest rating you can give a panel in the app is five stars. If you did not enjoy it, Give it five sarcastic stars. Thank you, Gary Mitchell, for that one. Anybody who wants to stop by the table and uh, grab some little party favors, 
Some of the most difficult to find and most sought after G.I. Joe products of the past 20 years right up here. You guys feel free to grab some of those and take them home with you. Grab some nano metal figs, grab a sticker book. Whichever, uh... And tell your friends about Audible Interlude. We've been around for a year-ish, but obviously we, we can use all the support we can get. You have been listening to a Needless Things podcast. You can follow Needless Things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at needlessthingspodcast.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.